I get to ring the bell. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I got a bell. I got a bell. I can ring it. <laughs> ring the... They're all good. <laughs> There's so many comics here. Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to Marvel's Pull List for new comics on sale January 15, 2020. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. I would normally be joined by terrific Tucker Chet Marcus, but he is in the wilds of California this week, hanging out with Dracula and the Wolfman, the Mummy, all your favorite California monsters. So I am going to be here, but we do have some really fun stuff. We will be joined by Tom Brevoort for a couple of uh, bits and pieces this episode. He is one of the main editors for Marvel Comics. He does some really amazing books. He's going to have some cool insight for us. And uh, our producer, Jorge, is going to join us uh, to give some insight into some of the books he's reading. Jorge, how you doing? Pretty good. I feel like I can uh, pose as the default 27-year-old on the show. So Fantastic. I think I got this. Oh, man. When you say that number like that, it destroys me inside. Uh, but as you may have noticed from last week's episode, there are a couple of books that we didn't get to because they weren't in our stacks, they weren't in our pods, they weren't even on our release list. So we had a couple of books from January 8th that we want to get to real quick first. On the top of that list is Fallen Angels number five, written by Brian Hill with art by Simone Kudransky, colors by Frank D'Armada, letters by VCs Joe Sabino. This one is starting to pick up the pace. We're adding some more characters to the mix. X-23 is now joined by Bling, which... Bling has one of my favorite names because her name isn't just Bling. It's Bling! Exclamation point. Do you say exclamation point or Mark? Exclamation point. Who says Mark? There are people who do. Well, they're wrong. That's correct. Uh, X-23 is there with Bling or Bling! Husk, and they're joining with Cable and Psylocke, and now they're going. There's some really fun Mr. Sinister stuff in here, and uh, we'll see where this goes. After that, we've got Ghost Rider number four. This is written by Ed Brisson. It's got art by uh, two amazing artists. Aaron Cooter does certain sections of the book, and Juan Forgary does others. Colors by Jason Keith throughout, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This one is a big one. There's some spoiler stuff in here. I know it was last week, but if you have not caught up on Ghost Rider, you are missing some interesting stuff. Some big changes for Danny Ketch for sort of the spirits of vengeance and others in here. There's an amazing character design for this one creature in here. His name is Necrosis, which is one of the dopest, most metal names in the world. But the last page of this is bonkers, and I know where this is going. I'm very excited for it. And we've got Ghost Spider issue number six. Now, this probably would have been one of my picks of the week, but falling in a weird situation where it's not last week, and it's not a new one this week, so I'm disqualifying it by my own rules. But this one is so much fun. It starts out with Gwen just reality hopping with her bandmates and, and best friends to go see a concert in another reality for a band that is from, like, their reality. So Gwen is wearing a Black Flag t-shirt in here, which I love. Like, can you imagine they go to a reality where... For some reason, Black Flag is still together. Like, they're all... They're, I know they've, they've toured recently, but, like, they're all old men and women, and, like, seeing them now, that is super cool. The idea of being able to reality hop to see things, or if you wanted to go see a different version of a movie, like, what is Star Wars in a different universe? What if it was just still Star Wars, but, like, just slightly different, and you want to like see... Like, the Star Troopers like. actually have, like, good aim? Yeah, exactly. Chewie's, like, blue fur or Two something. Two feet like, tall. Yeah. 
Whoa, tiny little Chewie. He's actually like an Ewok, and the Ewoks are all really tall. See, now I'm we in. are cooking. I love it. And if you have not read Ghost Spider, you can just jump right in, read this. It's really, really good. Another one from January 8th is Savage Avengers number nine. Man, I love this book so much. Written by Jerry Duggan, art by Patch Zercher, colors by Hava Tartaglia, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. I want to give a shout out to Patch, who's just an incredible artist. He also goes by Patrick Zercher. I think it's the first panel of art that you see in this issue is this slightly more than half page vertical shot of Kulin Goth. And it is like an extreme close-up of him, and it is gnarly and gross and weird and cool. Like, his face is very unique, and it's gorgeously rendered. And then you flip the page, you get another of that same type of shot pulled back a bit. It's Conan, muscles rippling, like friggin' uh, Henry Cavill in The Witcher, giant muscles exploding, swinging his giant sword. I love this series so much. I love the idea that it's Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange, and Conan versus Cool and Goth. And you have the two most powerful sorcerers in the Marvel Universe. You have a berserker who can go toe-to-toe with pretty much anybody with a sword. And they are just getting their tails kicked. They are just getting beaten left, right, and center. By the end of this issue, there's something that happens to Doctor Strange where Conan's like, all right, all right, all right, essentially. It's a really fun one. Could you imagine if you got played in a movie by Matthew McConaughey? Matthew McConaughey's Conan is now the only version that I will accept. Uh, All right, the last book from January 8th is Star Wars Kylo Ren issue number two. Your boy Snoke is all over this one, and he's got a funny hat. It almost looks like it's actually part of his head, and someone just, like, smushed it. (laughs) Like, they deflated his head. Aw. I got a message from Will Sliney, friend of the show, uh, and the artist on this book. I should probably also give the credits to said issue. Will is the artist, as I mentioned. It is written by Charles So, colors by Guru EFX, who we'll be talking about a bit more later, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Will is crushing this series, doing some of my favorite work he's done. But I got a message from Will the other day where uh, he was listening to the show. He thanked us for all the love we gave him. But seriously, this is one of the prettiest Star Wars books out there. There's so much detail in every single panel. It opens up in this beautiful garden as Kylo Ren or Ben Solo is talking with Snoke in this beautiful garden. And Snoke's like, ooh, the dark side. Get up in it. Get up in it. And he's got this hat. I love his hat. His whole ensemble is just perfect. It's one of those things like we've talked about it on the show before. I love it when artists really think about the outfits, the clothes, the aesthetics of their characters. Uh, and it, it just, especially when you're looking at Star Wars, which has such great costume designs, such great formal wear for many characters. Snoke in his lounge suit in his garden is one of my favorite looks. All right, we are now into the new comic releases for January 15th and... We are joined by Tom Brevoort. Hello, Tom. Hello, H&M. How are you? I am good. I haven't seen you. I think this is the first time I've seen you in this brand new year. Yes, you haven't seen me since 2019, all those years ago in the far distant past. One thing I will say, congratulations on now officially being 30 years here at Marvel. 30 years at Marvel. So I started before the year 2020. 
Wow. When, when I started, 2020 was the future. <laughs> and here we are and now. here it is in the present. Yeah, we will be talking specifically about Iron Man 2020 in a couple minutes. But first, we have to get to the new books this week. And the first book is actually out of your office. It is Avengers number 29 by Jason Aaron and McGinnis and Paco Medina with inks by Mark Morales and McGinnis and Paco. Colors by Jason Keith and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Tom, what is going on in this title right now? We're in the middle of the big search for the star brand story that uh, when Jason started his cycle of stories that led into his Avengers run with Marvel Legacy one shot, one of the things that happened in that was that Ghost Rider ended up running afoul of the previous star brand, the guy from the Jonathan Hickman run who'd gone a little out of his head with power and was crazed and corrupted and so forth. And he ended up having to kill that last star brand. But when one star brand goes down, another star brand gets born. And so in a far distant galaxy off in the Shear Empire, there's a, a whole area of space that's been cordoned off as the greatest prison in the universe where all the worst criminals and ne'er-do-wells and monsters and creeps are all incarcerated. Would you say Nick Lowe would be a prisoner in that? I, I don't know. I think Nick Lowe is kind of too small. <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 to go in there. I, I, I don't think you need that, that much security for Nick. He's not that dangerous. But from out of that, there is a signal and there is a call for help that summons the Avengers. And upon arriving there, you know, they see this enormous star brand that's been burned into the side of a planet. And all during the course of the story, they've been trying to get down to find and figure out who or what is this new star brand? Where did they come from? Why are they here? Because all the star brands are indigenous. They're built around the Earth. It's a planetary defense system. They're all supposed to be on the Earth. And in the course of this adventure, they run afoul of the Heralds of Galactus who want to keep them from getting to the star brand because they know it's a dangerous thing and they kind of want to contain or destroy it. Uh, and it should be out there. And they mix it up a little bit with Gladiator and all sorts of other incarcerated menaces and, and space pirates and things. It's a big, crazy pedal to the metal outer space adventure with the Avengers. You get the first glimpse of what you think the new star brand is going to be all about by the end of this third chapter. And then the full reveal is in 30 Short days. <laughs> uh, that last page, though, I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that. There's one bit that I really, really loved mm -hmm. in here. Blade is in the Hell Charger. He's all sickly. Blade is bonded with Boy Thing, which yep. kudos to you and the team for just that's running all, with Boy that's Thing. That's all Jason. That's Jason's particular, peculiar imagination. His sensibility is all over this run of Avengers. It's in that. It's in, uh, you know, at the end of last issue, we saw that in order to go off in space and be of, of assistance to the Avengers, our eighth seat Avenger for this story is the Black Widow, who is packing some radical Iron Man-style armor, so she gets to be the War Widow out in space, and that's a crazy cool Jason idea. I hope we see a War Widow cosplay. I think definitely you're going to. Right? There's, there's, there's no way people aren't going to... Somebody's not going to do that. Yeah. And then Blade does something with Boy Thing, and if you don't know what Boy Thing is, Boy Thing is a true, like, small version of Man-Thing. He's a little... Yeah, he's a tiny little, like, offshoot of Man-Thing. Yeah. They do something which gives Blade a new look, and it is awesome. <laughs> and it does something to Silver Surfer, which is one of those like clutch my pearls gasp moments that I really, really loved. Okay, from Earth's Mightiest Heroes to the League of Legends with League of Legends Z number three, written by Odin Austin Schaefer. 
Pencils by Edgar Salazar, inks by Lorenzo Ruggiero, colors by Chris O'Halloran, letters by Tyler Smith of Comic Craft. This one continues the story of Zed as he's trying to rally the forces of his country to beat back some nefarious foes. He's dealing with like his old best friend who thinks he killed his father and like there's all this crazy stuff going on. But then by the end, he realizes that they all done been played. There's a trap afoot. Tom, if you were walking up to the rack and had money for one comic book this week, where would you put your money? Whoo! Well, I gotta go with the obvious uh, pick here. I, I think it's got to be Iron Man 2020 number one. That's the big book we have coming out this week. Um, there's a ton of other great stuff here, but Iron Man 2020 number one we've been working on, you know, working towards for like two years now. Yeah. Uh, which is great. You pick that one, which means I don't have to pick it. I can give my love to some other books. Nice. Yeah. All right, Tom, it is time for 2020 Iron Man 2020, number one, written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage, art by Pete Woods, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. The first thing that stuck out to me when I was reading this issue was Pete Woods. Pete Woods. Hot damn. There's a, the first page in this issue, the first story page is this wild, beautiful page of, like, try to wrap your head around cosmic <laughs> technology, just beauty. And it's, like, inside Arno's brain. Yes. Right? Pete's terrific. Uh, and Pete on this project is doing everything. You know, pencils, inks, colors. The art is entirely his package to plate. And he's really pushing himself to do stuff that's bigger and wilder and crazier and more imaginative and more colorful and really create the the world of 2020 is now the world we live in. It's no longer the future. But to get some of that futuristic ambiance to the, the story and the, the stuff we have going on, uh, because there's a whole boatload of ridiculousness in this comic, he's doing a, a tremendous job. All right. A boatload of ridiculousness. What is the most ridiculous, in your opinion, in a good way? I love ridiculousness. I think our <laughs> comics, our stories, everything we do should be, can be ridiculous. Well, I think the most ridiculous and fun ridiculous in this issue is the bomb robot. I think the bomb robot is the most ridiculous thing. The robot revolution is going on. Artificial intelligences and robots within the Marvel Universe are beginning to fight back and to protest for their rights. They're sentient beings, or so they say, and they're being mistreated, and they want to be treated as individuals, and the society is not so down with that, at least right now. And so in this scene... You know, in retaliation for an attack on a, a factory, Machine Man plants a bomb at a hospital and they send in a bomb robot <laughs> and Machine Man comes out of the bomb. He's I, hiding in the bomb and he's like, brother, come join us. And they go off together. But, <laughs> he you, liberates the bomb and robot. And it's so good because the, the, he's like, do you really want to be doing this? And the bomb robot's like, not really. Because he can <laughs> blow up and he's like, I yes. get that. Uh, visually, something I want to point out is the bomb robot kind of reminds me of Robbie the robot from, it was an old Nintendo accessory. Mm -hmm. It was like pretty much useless as a, <laughs> as a video game accessory, but it had such a great look. And I looked at this and like, 
the visual of the bomb robot hit me as like a little bit of nostalgia and like mm-hmm. it hit me in a way that humanized it in a new way to me, which I loved. I love, love, love that. Yeah, to me, it was very much like homemade robot fighting competitions, robot wars and those sorts of things. And that contraption, that bomb robot looks like it came right off of the battle floor in one of those. It would have been dead within seconds. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's good that he was brought into yeah. the fold of the AI uh, yeah. army and can now live a, a safe and productive life away from explosives. There's something that happens with the bomb robot and with X-51, Aaron, they go to a place. Yes. I'm not going to say anything more, but again, Pete Woods, beautiful spread. Then you have Dan and Christos who are... They are ridiculous in themselves with the details that I know they probably wanted to see in this page. Was there anything in this big spread where you open up and you see all these characters? Was there anything that you you couldn't put in there that they wanted? Not that they wanted. Actually, a whole bunch of the stuff that's in the background there, the particular robots and and, uh, artificial intelligences and things that are there, a lot of that came from Pete. You know, they gave Pete a very, you know, a list of like, here's all the characters that we need for stuff and here's all these bits of business. But they gave him a lot of opening to do other stuff. And so he really went to town and peppered that whole sequence with a lot of different callbacks to different you know, older stories from Marvel and, and robots from, from literally the weirdest parts of the Marvel Universe. So that's actually almost more Pete than it was Dan and, and Christos. I can't think of anybody or anything that we had to take out or, or, or adjust on that level. Yeah. Were there any that stumped you? Because I think that's an almost impossibility, but... No, I was able to tell, I yeah. think, more... But honestly, I, there was no challenge. Like, Pete sent it in, but he sent in a, a version that, like, labeled, here's who everybody is, you know, in case there was some conflict with using M11. Yeah. And I could go, oh, okay, we got to change M11. We didn't have to. M11 is there, but... <laughs> Uh, just in case we might have had to, he very kindly gave us a chart. That'll also be included as part of the director's cut oh, that great. we're doing. Which is out the, the same day. Yeah, as... it's, it's the same day digital that, that's got all of the background stuff. And so that will almost certainly be in among all of the different additional bells and whistles that are there. That won't be in the actual book. But, uh, you know, because it's digital, we can put as many pages as we want. <laughs> this also has a checklist for the stories. So Iron Man 2020 we have the core series, but there's also finally a new Force Work series. Uh, we're, we're <laughs> you, know, there, you know, it's it's funny because you and a few other people have really stumped for Force Works for a long, long time, uh, and now we're finally at a point where it's been it's been long enough that the nostalgia is right that I can go ahead and do that. But man, I was around for Force Works when those books were coming out, and in '93, nobody had a lot of nostalgia for Force Works. I understand that. Uh, but that's just how that's just how the wheel yeah, turns. Every totally. everything has its day. Yes, it does. We're getting Force Works, Rescue, uh, Machine Man. My favorite, and I was so happy. We spent literally weeks coming up with this title, and finally got it at the last minute. My favorite title in the thing is I Wolverine. I just double like I did a double take on that on the checklist. I was like, oh, Wolverine's tying in. Wait, oh, that's it. I Wolverine. Yes. Is that Albert? That's Albert. Yes. Albert and LCD are two of my favorites. You know, Albert is not a great name for a comic book. (laughs) And we went went through so many bad names for that. And finally, I don't remember exactly who it was. It might have been, I'm going to say it was Will Moss, because I know Will was in the, the little meeting where we were like, throwing names around frantically trying to come up with an option 
Um, so it might not have been Will, but either way, we're going to give Will the credit for it because probably something else he didn't get credit for. Uh, hey, he's now a senior editor here at Marvel he Comics. Is. Kudos to he him. Is. He's got enough, but um, fine. You know, throughout the name I, Wolverine, and I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. It's so. tremendous. That's also, though, Albert and LCD to me is very nostalgic, and that is a similar yeah. time period. And, and uh, in that case, uh, Larry Hama is writing those times. Oh, so come it's, on. It's, a, it's an absolute throwback right to the core of of those two characters. I can't wait. That's going to be so cool. Uh, and also in terms of, of throwback stuff, I feel like obligated to mention these things now. You know, all the 2020 stuff that we've been doing obviously is building on you know, the established Iron Man 2020 that was done years ago in the Machine Man limited series in the 80s that Tom DeFalco wrote with uh, Herb Trimpey and Barry Smith. Which is so great. It's a, it's rewrite a, it recently. It's a super good series and very nicely, you know, self-contained and unified. Uh, and Tom is doing backups in the Machine Man issues, and he's doing a story in the Iron Age one-shot. So, you know, we were able to get him to be a part of this new thing, even though it's not exactly what his 2020 was. It felt like uh, you know, a good thing to have him involved and let him be a part of the the, the whole thing because it all really comes out of the stuff that he did years ago. Yeah. Speaking of the original series, the, the Machine Man series, one of the variant covers is uh, a throwback to the yes. covers to that Machine Man series. And I looked at this and I went, wait, this isn't one of the original covers because it looks so, it is so perfectly <laughs> done by Superlog yep. as a riff on Barry Windsor Smith's original Machine Man covers, which are some of my favorite covers of all time. Uh, Superlog actually, over the course of the six, we have six issues, so there are six covers and it's a sequence and you see, much like you saw in the original, it's Machine Man being built from like, you know, a couple of stray gears and circuits, you know, all the way up to a full Machine Man. You do the same kind of thing with a Tony Stark and an Iron Man, but the thing that you see over each cover is it's a different Iron Man armor every issue. So the further along we go, not only do we have more of the Iron Man built, but it's a more contemporary Iron Man until you get to the most modern one at the end. Oh, man. Uh, I'm doing a thing now on my social with every week I pick my favorite, just personal favorite variant covers. I am pretty sure every one of these super long <laughs> variants will be on that list nice. as I post them up. In the issue, in the regular issue and the special digital edition, there's a big, cool Arno Stark and Tony Stark timeline, which is really great because if you're just coming into this brand new, having not read the previous run of Iron Man, having not read all the other stories with Arno, which have been over the last five or six years, yep. this will catch you up right away. You can jump in right here. Yeah, Alana Smith, my associate editor, put that together and wrote it. And I think it's an invaluable tool, like you say, for people who may not have been paying attention to this stuff, but you know, it's Iron Man 2020 number one. It's a big deal. Uh, we know there's going to be a lot of people showing up who maybe are not as familiar with the nuts and bolts of what's been going on. So it's a quick way to get caught up, and it's got lots of little sources in it so that you can dig out the actual individual comics or trades if you want a little more uh, deep dive. Perfect. Tom, thanks for being here. You are welcome. We'll probably drag you back into this. Uh, and uh, it's, not, it's not too far. It's yeah. just down the hall. Now we're back on the same floor. Everything, uh, everything is great again. I appreciate it. All right, Tom. We'll see you soon. All right. Here's what I'm very excited about is Jessica Jones' Blind Spot Number 1, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Mattia D. Aulis, with beautiful cover by Valerio Giangiordano. And uh, this one is the print version of the digital first series that we saw last year. If you've not read it, because you read in print only, you got to get this. This book is awesome. We've talked about this book a bunch. We talked about it last year. So definitely check it out right now. 
MCU fans, hold on to your butts. It is time for Marvel Studios' Black Widow Prelude, issue number one, written by Peter David, art by C.F. Villa, colors by Chris Sotomayor, and letters by VC's Travis Lanham. This one has the very important stamp on the cover that says... Marvel Cinematic Universe official tie-in, which means it is canon to the MCU, it is canon to the films, and this one is not simply recapping other films. There is some stuff from other movies in here. There's pieces from Marvel Studios' Captain America the Winter Soldier. There's stuff in here from Marvel Studios' Captain America Civil War and a couple others, but... There are extra bits and pieces that we've never seen before. But if you want to see just a little bit more and want to get ready for the film, I definitely suggest you check this out. From a comic that ties into the big screen to a comic that ties into the video games, we are going to Marvel's Spider-Man The Black Cat Strikes number one, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam with art by Luca Maresca, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. There's a part in here that is about the relationship that Black Cat has with Spider-Man, which I love in pretty much any media I particularly love it in the comics. They're flirty, kind of sexy, fun, quirky relationship that they've had throughout the years. And in the game, it's amped up a little bit because you see her, you hear her. There's something that seeing that relationship play out in a video game makes it even cooler. They translate that here into the comic book, and I love it. There's just so flirty the way she, you know, says spider, the way she, like, talks to him. Also... Kingpin in a bath towel, uh, running around, punching, and probably flashing his business to everybody in the world. So one of the things that I, I think I mentioned in previous episode was every week now, I am also putting up on my Twitter and Instagram the day we release a new episode of this show, some of my favorite variant covers. And so this week, we're going to have Iron Man 2020, we're going to have a couple of other books, and we're going to have one of the covers from this next book, Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider, number two, written by Dennis Hopeless Hallam with art by Scott Hepburn, colors by Antonio Fabella, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. There's a cover in here by Superlog, which I just love. So good. Just like the art inside by Scott is tremendous. He draws weird so well. Big explosion, fighty, pulpy is a good word for it. Definitely want you to check this out. Uh, if you're just checking out because it's got Cosmic Ghost Rider and his big nasty weirdness, you're going to get a lot of that. Let's go back to Earth and look at Ruins of Ravencroft Sabretooth, number one, written by Frank Thierry. Art in the modern-day sequences by Angel Onzueta, with flashback art by Guillermo Sana, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This one takes it in some directions I wasn't expecting at all. We get to see this, like, hidden, terrifying... Frankensteinian laboratory in the bowels of Ravencroft that has like severed heads of Skrull and like a wolfman and a moloid and it's got literal Frankenstein drawings and other cool creatures and things in here which is neat but we start to explore what Ravencroft is and I, I like what Frank is doing here with giving us a guide group that is John Jameson and Misty Knight and Kingpin and like you go through and they're all at each other's throats and Reed Richards is there trying to stretch and be all smarty pants. But then we start to dive further into this this history of Ravencroft. One of my favorite things was how it introduced or I should say reintroduced a really kind of obscure Captain America character, which is this Steve Rogers 
from the Revolutionary War, who our Steve Rogers is theoretically descended from. There's like some some weirdness if you try to really put it together. But this Steve Rogers is actually created by Jack Kirby, if I remember from his return to Marvel in the 70s. I love the just sheer weirdness and bonkersness to this whole story. But it is a saber-tooth story by the story of the cover. So you go into and you dive into more of Ravencroft and you see how Logan was being treated at Ravencroft under the care, quote-unquote care, of two people who would be future mortal enemies of his. And then by the end of the issue, we get just horrible creatures, just the worst. Time for Runaways, and as you know, this is generally always going to be one of my picks, even if it's not one of my picks. That goes for this issue as well, which is number 29, written by Rainbow Rowell, art by Andre Ginolet, Colors by D. Cunif and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This one continues the saga that is the J Team, Doc Justice and the J Team. And it opens uh, the first full story page of this issue is a big splash and it confuses the crap out of me. And then you flip the page and you see what's going on. It's, it's one of those moments, again, this book continues to surprise and delight. This one continues to figure out like what place do the runaways have with this superhero team that doesn't have a lot of superheroes traditionally what has been the history of the j team this adds a lot of background to this la based super team and it is a brutal brutal story there's two double page spreads in this issue back to back that tell so much story without doing a ton of like legwork it's just the best i love this book so so much all that said I've been like on the fence about Doc Justice of where he stands, and uh, I, I'm very nervous about the next issue in that run. What I am not nervous about is Valkyrie Jane Foster number seven, which has another one of my favorite covers this week. It's a Marvel's X variant by Chris Anka with the Thor from the Earth X series. So good. This is Stranger Eons part two, written by Al Ewing and Jason Aaron. Guest art on this issue by Pere Perez, colors by Jesus Arbutov, and lettering and production by VCs Joe Sabino. This is my first pick of the week. Man, this book is wild. We see Death's Death show up, which is this cool, so weird and trippy. And like, there are bits and pieces of this book where I pick out, I was like, that's Jason Aaron. That's Al Ewing. That's Jason Aaron. That's just Al being. Straight up weirdo Al. I love it. Big cosmic terrifyingness. Beautiful colors throughout this issue by Jesus. So we're following this like medical based team. You know, it's it's Valkyrie, who of course Jane Foster, she's a doctor, joined by Doctor Strange, and you've got Excalibur, you've got this character Manic, you've got Night Nurse, you've got Cardiac, and you know, they're all together, but they end up going through what is devastatingly emotional series of pages and panels. But throughout this, we get some big changes to the team. This character, Mannequin, and it's M-A-N-I-K-I-N. I was talking to editors Will and Sarah about this character and that they didn't know the character beforehand. I didn't know this character beforehand. This is, to me, Al and Jason coming up and being like, 
here's a weird, very obscure character who was like a former Alpha Flight member who was created by Bill Mantlo after John Burns' run on Alpha Flight showing up here. Of course, the big hit character of 2019 is Mr. Horse. Mr. Horse is Valkyrie's talking horse. And so we know that Al Ewing is leaving the book. This is his last issue, co-writing it with Jason. We have a new writer, Torin Grunbeck, who she is joining Jason starting next issue. Will and Sarah, super excited for her to come on. They really uh, love all the stuff that she's working on. They had huge props to Al Ewing. And I asked the two of them, I was like, I love Mr. Horse. Was Mr. Horse like part of the initial story pitch? And like, especially the Northern English way Mr. Horse speaks. And they said no, because they were concerned that if and when Al leaves the book, the writer who the writers would have to be tasked to continue writing Mr. Horse with the dialect, the accent, and the, the inflections, the very specific phrases and everything. So in this issue, which they had initially required Al Ewing to create in order to make Mr. Horse the character he is, there is the uh, like guide to writing Mr. Horse's dialogue. And it is one of the funniest bits in comics we have this week. I, I know we have some English listeners, one of them being Karis Pollard. And Karis tweeted to me that my English accent is... In, in so many words, awful. And that's fine. That's great. Nonetheless, I did want to drop in one tweet we got in from Karis. She says, hate to say it, but the Space Stone is all the way. That's the choice that she would make from our question last week. The Mind and the Soul Stone, too creepy. She doesn't want physical power. You know, she says, to be honest, when asked what superpower she would like, she often goes with teleportation anyway. So um, she's with me. Space Stone all the way. You guys, if you're not reading Valkyrie Jane Foster, you're missing one of my favorite books that we're putting out right now. If it's not Marvel Unlimited, it will be super duper soon, but uh, you guys should totally check out Valkyrie Jane Foster. You should also check out my second pick of the week, which is Venom, The End. Holy moly. This book is B-O-N-K-E-R-S, Wild, it is part of our The End series of one-shot stories, which tell the final story for a character. We've done a number of these over the years, but this one is Venom and it is absolutely nothing at all what I expected it to be. And I was completely delighted. I was probably like thinking about it for a full day after I read it. It is written by Adam Warren, art by Jeffrey Chamba Cruz, colors by Guru EFX and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Now, I went to the editors for this issue, Jordan D. White and Chris Robinson, today. Uh, we actually are going to have them on This Week in Marvel soon to talk about all the end books. But I went to talk to them about this story because I was like, it's stuck in my brain, this book. And I only got to talk to Chris. He said that the initial pitch for Venom the End was 90 pages long for a 30, 40-page issue. But it was so detailed, so well-thought, elaborate. Adam Warren has done a number of comics for us. He's also done like manga and manga style books for decades. And he's just really cool, hyper detailed and like just big story kind of guy. So he wrote it and I thought he drew it. I was reading the whole thing and I thought it was his art, like just a slightly refined version. But no, Chamba does that style of art so, so well. What Chris told me was that this issue 
has digital pencils. So Chamba would draw the book digitally, then print out uh, on a like a comic board and draw the inks on board to get a different feel, get a different look. And so there's actually original art from Venom the End that's out there, which I think is really cool. It's a rarity nowadays to, to see original art. That's also just a really cool process. And then Chris told me that Guru EFX, just an amazing colorist, went hard in on this one, adding tons of textures and layers and a lot of stuff that wasn't even in the line work just because it was just this big story that required it. Like if you see a lot of star fields and space and textures that's a lot of that is just guru effects going in on it so you're like okay dingbat what is the story i don't know that i can fully explain the story to you it is it is a kind of a battle between the god minds versus the genetic codex of the bio life universe sort of follows this trajectory of the symbiote that connects to Eddie Brock and how that symbiote in particular goes on to catalog every bit of genetic life in the universe. While that is happening, the like artificial intelligence is also skyrocketing across the universe, taking over pretty much all life. So it's like Venom is cataloging it, saving it in the codex. If you read Absolute Carnage, you know that like there's this genetic thing that's going on with the symbiotes, saving the memory of BioLife because this artificial intelligence is taking over everything else. And you have this back and forth war between the two of them. And it gets really gnarly because the symbiote starts tapping into various powers. And so tapping into Jamie Madrox to repopulate BioLife throughout, tapping into Storm and other like weather and earth manipulating powers to terraform, tapping into all kinds of cool stuff. It is so weird, so unexpected. This is not like the Venom series right now. It is not like what Donnie and, and Ryan and them are doing. But if you like Venom, I think you will love this. If you are not reading Venom, I think you will love this. It is so different from everything we're doing in the best way possible. It's crazy weird and it's beautiful and it is probably going to take you a good 30, 40 minutes to read and you may want to go and reread it again. And so that's like good bang for your buck. But of course, maybe that money should go to some new collections on sale this week, such as Absolute Carnage, Immortal Hulk, and Other Tales, Absolute Carnage, Lethal Protectors, Absolute Carnage, Miles Morales, Absolute Carnage, Scream, Acts of Evil, Amazing Spider-Man, Epic Collection, Maximum Carnage, which I believe is a reprint of the full original Maximum Carnage storyline. Also collected this week, Contagion, Crazy, Daredevil Masterworks, Volume 14, Savage Sword of Conan, the Conan the Gambler, and Star Wars, the original trilogy, the movie adaptations. Of course, we also have new books hitting Marvel Unlimited this week. Some choice picks for you include Giant Size Ecstatics number one, which was really, really cool. That brings back the Ecstatics characters. Invisible Woman number one. If you missed out on this uh, limited series, really cool. It's got uh, Matea De Aulis and Mark Wade, and it's a spy story with Sue Storm 
in her first solo book. It's tremendous. And now you can read it on Marvel Unlimited. Wolverine versus Blade special number one, which was violent as all get out and a lot of fun. And then the War of the Realms Omega number one. Now you can read the entirety of War of the Realms in Marvel Unlimited. We also have some older books that are added to Marvel Unlimited, as we do every week. We have the final uh, 15 or so issues of Captain Britain, the Marvel UK book, completing that run. So it's issues 26 through 39. And one more pick for Marvel Unlimited this week is Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 20, which is a rare extra Iron Man 2020 story. That character showed up not a ton of times, to be honest. Tom, what do you say about that? After the Machine Man limited series, I think it was pretty much that Spidey annual, and then almost 10 years later, Walt Simonson wrote a one-shot, uh, and, and he might have appeared in a couple of, you know, here's Kang assembles a team of guys out of time kind of, of groups. But really, there were very few genuine Arno Stark appearances, and that was one of them. Yeah, he shows up in Paradise X. I know this because I reread all the X, <laughs> the, the trilogy mm-hmm. recently, so like I was surprised because I'm in the middle of all this right. Iron Man 2020 stuff right now. I was like, oh, he's there. That's kind of no surprise in a way because, you know, again, those books are right in the right time frame for Alex and Jim Kruger and those guys to have a, a, a soft spot for them or a connection to them. They would have read those stories you know, when they were, were growing up and really getting into this stuff. And, uh, you know, th- that, 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 that whole trilogy is rife with, with cameos and, and characters from, you know, again, all sorts of forgotten corners of the Marvel Universe. So It's neat. But, yeah, if you got Marvel Unlimited, check out Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 20 for another Iron Man 2020 fix. This episode of Marvel's Pull List is produced by Jorge Estrada with MR Daniel. Our audio development manager is Lauren Wiener. We're going to give a big thanks to Tom Brevoort for joining us and uh, being just the freaking best. No thanks whatsoever to Tucker Chet Marcus for having a vacation and not being here. What to a record. jerk. Seriously. You know what, Tucker? That's not something Brad Barton, one of our other audio development people here at Marvel, would do. Nor would Jill. Jill wouldn't do that either. No, Jill Duboff, our director of audio, would never do something like that. Think about it, Tucker. Maybe we'll hear from you next week. Marvel's Pullist. I'm Ryan. I'm Borke. Less evil this week than you were last A little bit. Slightly. I mean, that you know of. It's not that it's this. <laughs> this is Marvel. Oh, wait. Your universe. Yeah. Look at that.